It's the 31st of October, 2021. It's a Sunday. Just now we were chanting the Mangala Sutta, which is the discourse the Buddha gave about the blessings of life, the highest blessings in life. So whether it was humans, the devas, the Brahma gods, none of them knew what the highest blessings were. So there was a monk who, they went to ask uh, Saka, the king of the devas, and he in turn asked, well, why don't you go and ask the Buddha this question, what are the, the highest blessings? So the Buddha taught about 38 of these blessings, and there's no more than this, and there's no less than this either. That these are the highest blessings in life, these 38. So as we chant this sutta, we should also contemplate and reflect upon each of these blessings. It gets to the aspects of the Dhamma, the mind that isn't involved in liking or disliking, or having Nibbāna as the object of the mind, being really sincere, intent on Nibbāna, that having the object of the mind is Nibbāna, this is one of the highest blessings in life. The sutta, it starts off with associating with the wise, not associating with foolish people. And that's an important beginning, because if we associate with wise, then they take us to do good things. We pay homage to those worthy of homage, who should be paid homage to. We respect those who are worthy of respect. And these are the highest blessings. And we see that if we start off by associating with foolish people, then they'll just take us to destroy and waste many things in our life. And then we won't get to know about this path that the Buddha taught, the path of uh, generosity and virtue meditation, or the path of uh, sila samadhi panya, virtue, collectedness and wisdom. So we need to use our wisdom in order to look after these lives, to live these lives, in order to study and to gain knowledge. But we also need to use wisdom in our practice as well, and to know the path of practice, to not get lost, to not go down the wrong path. And so we need an understanding there. We need to meet with people who understand this themselves, who have practiced the Dharma themselves, and who know the right path. So when we study various uh, subjects, such as maths, then we need a maths teacher who can teach us that subject. Or if we're studying um, science, then we need a science teacher, and people who have knowledge in these subjects who can guide us. And so some uh, children, they are able to kind of instruct themselves to a degree through using the internet. They have mindfulness, they have wisdom, and they seek out knowledge um, online, and they study it there. And so it's possible to go that route, but still there needs to be someone who has knowledge that they're learning from. And they can't just do it 
by themselves. They don't just gain this knowledge from, from their own means, from their own resources. That they need people who can teach them in order to know the correct path to take. And so this true is true for the practice. That if we don't have a teacher who understands the Dhamma, who has seen the Dhamma, then it's very difficult to go the right way. We may read the scriptures, and the scriptures are correct, but the understanding that we may gain from them can be wrong, such as the factors of jhana, vitaka, vijara, piti, sukha, ekakata. And uh, these are the factors of the uh, first jhana. And so we can um, understand that vitaka vichara, uh, that this is thinking or this is a kind of proliferation. We may gain that understanding. Um, but really those who have practiced, then they know that it's more a direct knowing, these qualities of uh, vitaka vichara. And so it's like, vitaka is like lifting up an object, this initial application of the mind, lifting up the breath to the mind, gaining an understanding of it. And through this, then joy, happiness arises, the mind settles into samadhi. And we can contemplate the mind that isn't given into disliking or liking. And... And so through this, then we can gain the Dhamma. So we have to pass through many dangers. And just like in this world, the world of the humans, there are many dangers, many obstacles here. And, but if we have the Dhamma, then we're able to, to go through these, and to be free from them. And even though there may be external dangers there, um, the mind that has Dhamma, it won't suffer due to these. We'll have an understanding of nature. So if we have something which is very valuable and it gets lost or someone steals it and we're able to accept that, then that shows that our hearts have Dhamma. So at the time of the Buddha, there was a woman who's 32 sons all passed away at the same time. But because she was a sotapanna, she was able to accept that. It's really not easy to do that, is it? And for us, for the most part, if just we're separated from something quite insignificant, something minor, then we suffer over that. But for her, she lost her 32 children and her husband, and she was able to accept that. And so she was probably able to perceive that it was just elements following the course of nature. There weren't really any people, any beings there. And so if we have Dhamma in our hearts, then we'll be able to be free from these uh, dangers within the hearts as well. If we have the Buddha as our refuge, um, then we we we'll come and contemplate all of the suffering which arises within. And we see how we're able to pass through this and be finished with this suffering because we are following um, and practicing following the teachings of the Buddha. 
So we're able to free ourselves from suffering due to this practice. So one of the things that we don't yet understand in its truth is this body. And Lumpucha, he taught that when the mind is peaceful, then we should come and look and contemplate this body. And for myself, when I was uh, four years as a monk, there was a lot of peace in my mind. Both my body and my mind felt very buoyant and light, with a standing, walking, sitting, lying down. There was a sense of brightness there. It was as though there wasn't any weight to my body. And these Upajara Samadhi, um, I could sustain this for long periods. So I would contemplate, and, and through that contemplation, then my mind would feel very at ease and very spacious and open. And I thought that, well, if I just contemplate this mind and focus on this mind, then I'll be able to attain just like that. But really, I was just like a child at that time. And my teacher, who I was with, he pointed out this body and really um, said that, well, this is what you're attached to, is this body. But I understood that well, both my body and my mind are feeling very light and buoyant, and so there's no need to contemplate the body at all. Just contemplate the mind, and I'll be able, be able to attain to the Dhamma. When I looked at my mind, then it felt very at ease and uh, calm. But my teacher, Lampucha, he said, well, come back to this body, contemplate this body here. So this is an example of what can happen if we just practice on our own. If we don't have a teacher, it's easy to get lost in this way. So we need to find someone who has passed through this, just like Lampucha had. He passed through the stage of practice himself, so he knew the importance of the body. So he pointed out how this body is a heap of stress. It's something that's not beautiful. It's something that changes, that's not self. And this is how the great teachers, they instruct. They will point us along this path of sila, samadhi, panya. They will instruct us to, to wear away at the defilements. So this quality of sanleka is the wearing away of things. So we need to take this path, sila, samadhi and panya, as our basis, as our foundation. And that's really important, to be walking this path, to be practicing, following this path. And having this sincerity within. Sincerity towards the training, towards the practice, to be doing it a lot, to be developing this path a lot. And if we do that, then we must see the Dhamma in this life. And some practitioners, they have seen emptiness already. Look into the body and it's empty. Or maybe um, they feel as though the hands disappear, the feet disappear, or maybe the entire body just disappears. And there's no self there. So through seeing that, then they've seen Nibbana, they've seen the Dhamma already, they've seen into emptiness. And so there are different stages of sotapanna, of stream entry. And there's a course stage of um, seven lives left, and then the middle of three lives, and then the most subtle stage of sotapanna is just one life left. 
And uh, King Bimbisara, the time of the Buddha, for example, when he listened to the Dhamma, he was able to attain to all three of those levels of Sotapanna at the same time. And it shows that he really saw into emptiness. He saw into anicca, dukkha, anatta, could perceive the body as being empty. And so he had fallen into the stream of the Dhamma, and his faith was very firm, unshakable. And so we should all really set our hearts on this practice. And if we do that, then in this life, we will see the Dhamma for sure, if we practice without stopping.